Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. We pray that this message would encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. Good morning and welcome to uh, week three of our series. We've been in a series called Deeper Worship. I hope that you have been getting something out of the series. I hope it's been uh, blessing you and encouraging you and challenging you and if you're uh, streaming this or you're watching from a deer stand or watching it later or something, I hope you had, seriously, I hope you had an awesome time uh, just in the outdoors and in awe of God's beauty. Um, but I do have to tell you, I'm already ahead of you uh, Thursday night, one shot from a 2010 minivan. I already got my first deer of the season, so um, doing good. <laughs> Top of that, right? So anyway, uh, today we're going to talk about worship presence. If you're a note taker, um, presence with a C, not a T. It's not quite Christmas time yet. But we're going to talk about um, what worship presence is. What is. How does God show up in our worship? What should our presence be like in worship? And, uh, and i got to be honest with you. This is an interesting sermon to prepare and to get ready for because um, when we talk about God's presence, it can be a little bit confusing. On one hand, um, God is everywhere at all times, right? And, and then also we learn that through his Holy Spirit, those of us who are in Christ, God is inside of us if we're born again. But then if that's true, if he's everywhere and he's in us, why do we keep talking about, keep singing about entering his presence or Holy Spirit come or whatever? We, we, we want this encounter, is that something different, and, and what does it look like, and why do we do it, do we need it? We're going to dig into that today. Um, some of you maybe have never, would, would never have said that you have felt the presence of God. Others of you would attest to this, that, that you've been in a moment where you felt the presence of God, and it was life-changing for you. Um, maybe it was just week-changing or day-changing, or maybe it really was life-changing. You've been in moments where you could feel the presence of God, and maybe it made you emotional, Maybe it changed something in you. Maybe you left without certain old desires or you left that service with new desires or whatever it may be, but it changed you from the inside out. Um, I, I want that for you. I want you to encounter the presence of God on a regular basis and for it to make a, a great difference in your life. And uh, but before we get into, into that, let's talk about these other ways that God is present, okay? If you're uh, one of the five or six people who take notes, um, first thing we want to establish, I've already said it, God's presence is everywhere, okay? We're going to start with that. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times, and I want you to know that has impacted your life in ways that maybe uh, you don't even think about, even before you were a believer, or if you're here this morning and you're still not a believer, how many of you have seen a sunset, okay? How many of you have seen snowfall, right? Or, and the sun's been setting a little earlier than I care for lately. How many have had some good biscuits and gravy or a good steak in Jesus' name, right? We have all tasted and seen the goodness and grace of God, at least in a general sense. Um, one of the struggles as Americans for us as we approach faith is that most of us have pretty good lives. Now, of course, there's people around us and we say, well, they're luckier, they've got it better off, whatever. But by and large, throughout human history or even just in this day in history on our planet, 
we have it pretty good. We have enough to eat, most of us. Some of us, you know, we have a little too much to eat. I'm there. We have more than one pair of shoes, more than one coat in our closet. We have a roof over our head. Some of us have more than one vehicle at our disposal. We have a lot. And so it's easy to think or even just act like, man, you know what? I, life is pretty good. Do I really need God? Do I really need the presence of God? Do I really need to be a Christian? Do I really need church? You know, life is pretty good. And I just want you to know that, yeah, life is pretty good, but that's grace. That's the goodness of God. That's the fact that God is everywhere. Your life, if it's good, you think it's good apart from God. It's not good apart from God. It's just good because you're benefiting from God's general goodness, okay? And if you don't trust in him with your life, one day that general goodness, those benefits and perks will be removed from you. And what will you have then in that moment at the end of this life? And so we, we need God and the fact that God is omnipresent, God is everywhere. Man, that's a double-edged sword to me. It's encouraging because I know that there's no situation I can walk into that he isn't there. There's nothing I can face. There's no problem. There's no doctor's visit. There's no, there's no tragedy. There's nothing I can walk into that God isn't with me. Amen? Now, here's the flip side. There's nothing I can do, and there's no conversation I can have that God isn't there. And that's convicting a little bit, isn't it? That's challenging, that God is everywhere. Jeremiah said it this way. Um, quote, he speaks to the Lord, the prophet Jeremiah. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth, says the Lord. The psalmist almost sounds like um, the psalmist of Psalm 139 almost sounds like he wants to get away from God. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. God is everywhere, amen? And clearly, um, one of our Bible heroes, you know, or not so heroes, uh, Jonah, he forgot this. Some of you have heard the story of Jonah and the fish or the whale or whatever. God called him to go as his prophet and preach to a nation that was very vicious and vile and, and, and evil. He, call, he called Jonah to go to a place called Nineveh, okay? And Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Some of you, if God called you to a certain place in the world or a certain type of people, you would be like, ah, no, thank you. That doesn't sound safe. I don't want to do that. Jonah did not want to go. And so instead, he got on a boat and he sailed the opposite direction. He went to a place called Tarshish, which is just fun to stay. So we should all stay it together right now. Tarshish, it's just kind of fun. Um, my daughter the other night, we were talking about Jonah, and I said, Jonah was supposed to go where? She said, Nineveh. And I said, but, but he didn't go to Nineveh, did he? No, where did he go? And she said, he got on a boat to Target. And that's, you know, that's close enough. It's close enough, right? Um, but Jonah thought that he could escape God. He thought he could get on a boat and flee God's presence, and that didn't go too well. If you don't know what happens in the story of Jonah, it's only a few chapters. You could read the book of Jonah this week. But, but similar to Jonah or similar to the psalmist, there are times in our life we find, our, we find ourselves running from God, trying to escape God or what he has called us to. Anybody here this morning, you ever remember a time in your life where you were running from God, you were pushing God off, you were trying to not do what he was calling you to do, you were avoiding his presence, right? But, but we know this, right? You can run as hard as you want and you'll get tired, right? You'll get the workout in, but 
you wind up right where you started, you cannot escape God. You can't escape his general presence, at least, and you wouldn't want to. Nothing has escaped his eye. So God's everywhere, amen? God's everywhere, um, even at Walmart during the holidays, right? He's everywhere. Secondly, God is not just everywhere in this generic, general sense, but in a, in a profound way, in a powerful way, God's presence is in every Christian. And this is, this is so important for us to realize and remember, and it's so easy for us to just say it like, yeah, God's in me, and not take it seriously, but this is huge. Because listen, there are days I don't feel close to God. Anybody? There are days I don't, it feels like I'm far from God. And, and certainly, you know, um, there, I may not always feel as close as I, as I would want to, but even when God feels far from me, if I'm in Christ, he's not far from me. He's, he's near me. In fact, he's, he's within me, okay? Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had, like, a weird roommate that you didn't pick and you didn't talk too much because y'all didn't have much in common, right? Or maybe you were the weird roommate, anybody, you know? Um, or, or maybe it's somebody in your family, in your household, and you've gone through a season where y'all are under the same roof, but you're not exactly on the best of terms, and so there's not a whole lot of communication happening. You're kind of just ships in the night, and you're kind of, like, avoiding each other, and and, um, and closing cabinets just a little harder than you usually do. And, and you're on the couch, and they're on the couch, but you're not talking to each other. You're just looking at your, your phone or whatever, right? And so you're in the same place, but there's not this intimacy. You're not, you're not talking a whole lot. Look, that happens sometimes to Christians. The Holy Spirit is inside of them, but they're not real interested in what he has to say. They're not real in touch with him. They're not, they're not communicating. They're not listening. It may, feels like anything from the truth that the Holy Spirit is inside of you when, in fact, he is. Romans 8 says it this way. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Now, you talk about something that's powerful. The most significant event in human history. And, and listen, if Jesus does all he does and preaches all he preaches and does all the miracles, and goes to the cross, and displays this great act of love, but then stays dead, he's not who he says he is. He's not the son of God, he's not to be worshiped, he's just a great prophet and great healer, but he's not God. However, we know this, he did raise from the dead, he did walk out of his own tomb. It's changed all of human history, okay? Your calendar is marked by when that happened, all right? And that spirit, the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, doesn't live in churches, doesn't live in preachers, lives in you, lives in Christians. And, and Romans says, just like God raised Christ from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal body. This, this body that you're in feels so dead and so sinful, but he'll raise it to life. He'll do something new by that same spirit living within you. That is insane, and, and we take it for granted so much. We take it for granted that once upon a time, we were apart from Christ and did not have his spirit within us, and now we do. We also take it for granted that that's even possible. Did you know that for the people of God, even the chosen people of God, the nation of Israel, it has not always been that way. At one point, the presence of God was everywhere still, but it wasn't inside of his people. It only, the manifest presence of God only showed up 
occasionally, or they, they carry it around in an ark, or they put it uh, in, in the Holy of Holies, right, behind a thick curtain. Second Chronicles details um, how they had it. They had it set up, and across the entrance of the most holy place, this is where God's presence dwells, they hung a curtain made of fine linen decorated with blue and purple and scarlet thread and embroidered with figures of cherubim. So here's the deal. God's presence is behind this curtain, and there's one guy that has access to it. He's the high priest. And so he has this VIP access, and he goes through this long process, this purification ritual, to be able to enter because sin and, and, and uncleanliness was not allowed to be in the presence of God. And so he doesn't want to go into, behind the curtain and be struck dead. So he goes through all, you know, people always joke about, like, oh, if I walked into a church, you know, I probably, lightning would strike or whatever. Like, you know, that type of stuff is really happening uh, here, okay? And so the high priest does this whole ritual, and he's going to go in. And you know how often this happens? Once a year. Once a year, one person on one day for one moment is allowed to go in. And he's gonna go in and sprinkle blood from this sacrificial lamb on a mercy seat, they call it, for the forgiveness of sin for the nation. And I love this part. Just in case he didn't do something right or he had something in his life that the people didn't know about but God knew about it, they tied a rope around his ankle so if he got zapped, they could drag him out without having to go in and get zapped themselves. Right? This is crazy to me. Um, and so here's the thing. Even if he does the job right, one guy, one moment, one day a year in the presence of God. And that bloodshed only lasts so long as a payment for sin. See you next year. Come back next year with a new sacrifice to cover up all the stuff you did this last year. Right? But, but we know the truth on the other side of it, that all of that was just foreshadowing and preparation for the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ shedding his blood for us, not as a once a year sacrifice, but as a final payment and atonement for sin. Jesus would make a way for us sinners to enter into the presence of God, the holy of holies, without a high priest. Jesus would become our high priest once and for all. The curtain would be done away with. And, and listen, it literally was. Check this out. Jesus is on the cross, Matthew 27. And it says Jesus shouted out again. It's one of his last cries from the cross. He's breathing his final breaths. And I love the way that Matthew words this. It says, and he released his spirit. Who sounds like they're in control in that moment? Jesus is in control. It's not like he had more to do and they stopped his life short and murdered him. He gave his life exactly when he needed to and in the exact way that he needed to. Jesus was on purpose and on mission. No one took his life from him. He gave his life. And he releases his spirit. And check out what happens. These are convenient to have today. At that moment, the curtain was torn from top to bottom. Now, you may say, like, so what? But you've got to understand, this curtain that separates mankind from the presence of God was torn. And it was torn from top to bottom. That's, that's so significant. All of the efforts to bridge that gap from bottom to top had failed. All of the law keeping, all of the sacrifices. At one point in the, in the Old Testament, we see a group of people decide, we'll just build a tower to heaven. Right? That'll work out great. 
It's the Tower of Babel. Check it out. It didn't work out so great. Okay? All the effort at climbing the curtain or tearing it from bottom to top has failed. But through faith and through grace, God has decided in the person and work of Jesus to tear the curtain from top to bottom. Jesus paid for sin, and now sinners can enter the presence of God forgiven and clean. And the only ritual is justification by faith, salvation, conversion, putting your trust in Jesus, believing the gospel, being born again. We don't need a high priest. We don't need a ritual. We have Jesus. And because of that, Ephesians says, because of Christ and our faith in him, not our works, not our efforts, not our church attendance, not how many Bible verses we can quote, because of him and simply our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. How do sinners come into the presence of God boldly and confidently? The high priest had a rope around his ankle just in case. But we get to just walk into the presence of God? Yes. That's what Jesus has done. We should not take it for granted. The confidence, the boldness, it doesn't come from our efforts, our climbing, our attempts to scale the curtain. It comes from him. God made sinners holy. God made dirty people clean through faith and gave us not just the ability to enter his presence in a church service, but he said, you know what, I'll take that presence and put it inside of them. They're going to need it every day, not just Sunday. The presence of God. 1 Corinthians 6 says, don't you realize, don't, like, think about this, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself. The same care that we treated the Ark of the Covenant with, the same care that we treated the Holy of Holies and the curtain with, the same care that we would treat Virgin Mary while she's carrying Jesus Christ, the same care we treat all these carriers of God's presence. Listen, you're the carrier. You're the container. God's presence is in you. And you know, I don't feel holy. It doesn't matter how you feel. You're not God. He said you are if you're in Christ. We said, well, I, I, Pastor Chuja, I believe, I hear this a lot. I believe God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. You need to trust your judge. It's not you. Okay? Can you imagine the victorious spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you? But you're walking around in condemnation because you can't forgive yourself. Get off the throne. It's not your job. If you're forgiven in Christ, you're forgiven in Christ. You don't need to forgive yourself. Just forget about it. It doesn't matter what you think anyway. God has forgiven you. God has forgiven you. So I feel alone. You're not alone. He's with you. Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus says I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says it's better that I leave and that I send the Holy Spirit as your comforter. That way I'll be with you everywhere, no matter what happens, no matter what you face, no matter who you lose. God is with you. So here's a question. It's a great question. Thanks for asking it. It's great. If God's presence is everywhere and God's presence is in me everywhere I go, if I'm a Christian, and it seems inescapable, then what's the point of this? Like, why do we go to church? Why do we gather? Why do we sing? Why do we, why do, we do that? And that's a great question. And here's the truth. 
God's presence is everywhere. God's presence is in every Christian. But God's presence is accessible in a special way in every gathering. And I would just say God's presence is in every gathering, but I know we could show up and go to church and leave and not encounter the presence of God. However, it's accessible. It's possible for you to encounter the presence of God today. And he wants to and does show up in a special way when we worship him together. Yes, he's always everywhere. Yes, he's always with us. But sometimes he shows it. He displays it. He lets us feel it, experience it uniquely. Like, when did God start loving you? I would say God loved you before he made Adam. But he showed his love when he sent his son, didn't he? Right? And similarly, you have people you love and you love them all the time, but sometimes you show them that love. And sometimes you show them that through the gift of just your presence. You're just there and you listen and you care and you interact with them. Well, God does the same thing. Is God always at Bluff First? Sure. Is God always in the deer woods? This is that time of year where the woods become the deer woods. I don't know if you know about this. It's a thing, the deer woods. It's never the squirrel woods or the turkey woods, but it's the deer woods. And God's presence is in the deer woods, okay? God's presence at the DMV. I can't believe it. It's true. It's everywhere. But sometimes he makes manifest that presence, and we see it and we feel it differently. Psalm 22 I know we're jumping around the Bible today. I hope you're still getting something. Psalm 22, the psalmist says, Lord, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Like, yes, you're king over us, but you sit upon the praises of your people. There's other translations that say God inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, this is his natural habitat. Yes, he's everywhere, and when we worship him, we're not like capturing him in a bottle and limiting him to being here with us. Oh, he's at Bluff First. He can't be at First Baptist. No, like he, he can be everywhere at once, but, but listen, when we praise God, he inhabits those praises. He likes it there. He hangs out there. He dwells there. He moves in. He moves among. He's present, and that presence changes everything. God's presence changes us. So here's, here's the point of this series, Bluff First, in case you're wondering, okay? Here's the thing about Bluff First. We are known for hospitality. That's what we're known for. Um, we're not known for killer preaching or, you know, whatever. We are known for, man, people are friendly. People are welcoming. People talk to me, you know? That's awesome, right? We're known for loving people and being hospitable in that way. If you haven't had that experience, let us try again, okay? We want to so badly. But we want to be just as good at loving God as we are at loving people. And we, we want to be just as hospitable to the Holy Spirit and the presence of God as we are to people far from God, okay? So that's what this series is about, deeper worship. We're not just trying to drum up a louder service. I know how to do that. We could do that. That's, that, that's, that's pointless. We're trying to get us to understand, like, worship makes a difference. It's not just a part of the service. It's not just a style thing, a preference thing. It's not a warm-up to the sermon. We encounter the presence of God in our worship, and that makes a difference. It brings calm to our chaos. It brings peace to our worry. It brings joy to our sadness. Psalm 16 says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Well, I want that, 
right? If, if you want joy, if you need joy, if you need purpose, if you need joy that doesn't even make sense because your circumstances say you shouldn't have joy, then what do you need? His presence. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Well, I need joy. Well, then I need his presence. How do I get to his presence? I mean, I'm already in it, right? How do I? No, I, I, he inhabits our praises. We worship him and we encounter his presence. And I love the cycle. God is so good at giving us what we need to do what he wants us to do and just watching it work this way. Listen, we worship God with joy even when we don't feel like it, right? And this attracts God's presence and God's presence shows up and you know what it gives us? Joy. And then I've got joy to worship with and I worship with joy and his presence shows up and it gives me joy. I worship like I have peace even when I don't have peace and God's presence shows up and you know what it gives me? Peace. We, we find the thing that we need when we worship God as if we have it already because we do. In Christ we do. We have all that we need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. What a tragedy to have a church with no joy. No smiling, no laughter, no victory, or a church that waits around on it. No, Jesus is alive, last I checked. Tomb's still empty, last I checked. The Bible is living and active and changing lives. People are getting baptized, things are happening. I've got a reason to sing. I've got a reason to clap. I've got a reason to lift my hands. I've got a reason to lift my voice. I may not feel like it, but it's not about what I feel like. It's about the truth of what I know about God. And he loves me, and he chose me, he has a plan for my life, and it doesn't make any sense why he would use me, but he wants to. Well, then I worship him, right? Come on, there's some days you're not happy about going to church, right? I'll be real with you. If my little sister wasn't getting baptized today, I probably would have phoned a friend. Like, you got to come preach. I, my nose has been running for two days straight. I've used all the Kleenex in Pauper Bluff. <laughs> but listen... Days when I don't feel like going to church are days I need church the most. Like if it's true that his presence brings power to my weakness, then when I'm tired, I don't need a break from church. I need a break from being tired. I need to be re-energized by being in the presence of God with God's people. I don't need a break. I, I need to be with God. And I'm, listen, like enjoy your vacations. I do like Enjoy your deer stand. I'm not saying any of that. This is no, there's no guilt in you missing church for something. But I'm saying you need the presence of God with God's people regularly. And you especially need it when you feel weak or you feel discouraged or you feel tired or you feel whatever. And look, don't show up and see how you feel. And then if you feel God's presence, respond in worship. That's what most people do. And it sounds really nice and sincere, but it's actually backwards. Most people come and they go, look, I don't want to be phony. I don't want to go through the motions. I'll just be here, and I'll be here week after week after week. And if I finally feel the presence of God, then I'll express that outwardly, and it'll be really heartfelt and sincere then. That sounds really great. But, but here's the thing. It's not how it's supposed to work. We don't worship in response to our feelings. We don't respond to the presence of God based on when we feel the presence of God. We respond to the truth about God and who he is and what he says about us. We respond to the gospel and we worship and we praise and we sing and we lift our hands anyway and we clap anyway and we do. It's a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice costs something. It's uncomfortable. And when we do that, he responds 
to us and gives us what we need to feel like doing it to begin with. If you want to worship, listen, <laughs> just going to be real with you. If I worshiped in this room on the Sundays I felt like it, it'd be about a half dozen times a year, if, starting out at least. Like it, it would take me a few songs to get warmed up and get my heart in the right place and my mind in the right place. I can't, I can't wait for that. We don't have to, I, I got to jump in, right? I got to preach in 20 minutes. I better jump right into the presence of God. And this morning I was in the presence of God in a recliner with my head leaned back hoping I could preach this sermon, but, but I needed to jump right in. God help me. God help me. We don't wait around and respond to when God shows up. We show up. God responds to us. Let me ask you, when was the last time you were tired after worship or you, you were out of breath or your heart rate was up or your, your watch said, it's good to breathe? You know, mine does that to me a lot. When was the last time you put a little strain on your voice? You say, well, that's not me, Pastor. I'm not expressive. Look, I don't know how to break this to you, but if you're a Christian, we're all going to this place called heaven. And I just don't think you're going to be up there like this. And someone's going to be like, oh, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just worshiping in my heart. I don't think it's going to go that way. I think you're going to express something. So why wait, right? Why wait for heaven to act like we actually love our God? Why, why wait for that? Let's greet him the way that we would want to be greeted. I was at a situation recently, and a friend of mine was introducing me to a certain members of their family, and I met this young man, and he looked like he would rather talk to anybody on the planet but me, which is fine. But he was like, he shook my hand like this, and he was like, so. And then later that same day, I met somebody else kind of associated with the family, and he came up and was so nice and so encouraging and kind of gave me this awkward hug, you know, which I'm great at awkward hugs. And like, hey, man, and he's he just so happy to talk to me. I mean, I remember both, but I think you probably guessed which one I enjoyed more, right? So, so when we get together... Let's, let's think about this. Does God respond to, what's up, God? Or does God maybe show up and respond when somebody's excited to be in his presence? Somebody's excited to see him. Somebody's excited to talk to him. Somebody's glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. I mean, I, I'm not saying that, that God won't show up, that he won't meet us, even when we, when we don't seem to show it much. But, man, it sure seems like when I engage God, he engages me. And some of you haven't felt, uh, worship team, if you'd come, some of you haven't felt or experienced the presence of God in such a long time. And I just wonder this morning if maybe God feels so distant and so disconnected from you because like me, you're so connected to everything else and so worried about everything else there's no margin, there's no room in your life for the presence of God, even at church. Look, I mean, I don't always sit in the front. I've sat in the back before. I see Candy Crush and Facebook, and I mean, I check my fantasy football team sometimes. Like, it's so easy to, to not be present. Listen, here's what I'm learning. God is most present when we are. I don't mean he's not there when you're checked out, but we experience God's presence 
when we are present. God is most present when we are. If I can be in a, in a room with my wife and my kids, or I can be at coffee with a friend, and because of technology or whatever, in a moment, be on another planet and be totally disconnected and forget the human beings in flesh and blood are right in front of me, how much easier is it for me to disconnect from a God that I can't see in a service like this one, right? And so I gotta press through that. I gotta put my phone down sometimes. I gotta, I gotta go, okay, I'm gonna change where I sit. I'm gonna bring my Bible. I'm gonna take notes. I'm gonna think about the words I'm saying. I'm gonna worship God for who I know him to be and what he's done, not what I've done lately or how I feel. Or respond to the truth instead of my circumstances, right? So here's what I'm asking this morning. We got baptisms, we have other things to do. Shout out to kids first. Love having you guys up here. Um, but we're gonna sing about the goodness of God together for a moment. And by all means, if you need prayer, come find a place to pray. Someone will come pray for you. I, I, won't, I won't come pray for you because I don't want to sneeze on you or something. But here's what I'm asking this morning. Can we just be present for a few minutes with God? That's all I'm asking. Because I think when you're present, you're focused and you're engaged. You praise God's present. He inhabits those praises. And it might just make all the difference, not just for you, but even the people around you. Worship changes the atmosphere of the room, lets other people experience God in a meaningful way as well. So stand with me if you would, Bluff First. I love you so much. I so badly want you to encounter the presence of God. Some of you feel so dry, so tired, so distant. I so badly want you to encounter the presence of God. But listen, it's not going to just chase you down. And like, you've got to do something. The Bible says, if you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And then as you're walking with him, yeah, his goodness and mercy do follow you all the days of your life. But sometimes you've got to seek him. So this morning, that's what I'm asking. Can we seek God together? Can we be present for a moment? Jesus, would you show up in this room? God, we reflect on our lives and all the things you've done, all the goodness that we've experienced, and we just praise you, God, that you love us, that you made a way for us, that you call us son or daughter, that you've forgiven us, that you died for us, Jesus, that you rose again, that you're coming again, that there's gonna be a day where we're with you and there's no sickness, there's no divorce, there's no disease. God, we're just so grateful for all you've done. We sing of your goodness. We lift our voices. We lift our hands. We worship you, Jesus, in your presence. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.